Thank you again to our worship team as they, uh, as they take off down the stage. Let's uh, join together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here. Dear Lord, I, I know all of us have our uh, struggles, things going on in our lives, but you have led us here this morning. And dear Lord, I, I pray that you would open our hearts, that we would hear what you have to say. And dear Lord, a, a friend and mentor that you know of mine, he said, preach as you're preaching to dying men and women. And dear Lord, that's the truth. We're all dying. And I preach that we would listen as dying men and women in need of the saving grace that you offer through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to start off this morning really asking you all a question. And uh, it's a simple question, and you may think it has a simple response, but anyway, it's, uh, um, it's, it's more than your initial response. Let me just put it that way. The question is, why are you here? Like, why are you here today, right now? Now, some of you may be here against your own will. And I understand that. You may, you may be a spouse who... The other spouse said, man, you know, you're going to church with me. And so you may be in there wiggling in your seat and looking at your watch, you know, thinking about lunch or thinking about what you're going to do today. I don't know, but you're here. Maybe you're here not necessarily against your will, but you're here because you think, you know, this is the time of my life and it's the right thing for me to do. You know, I kind of blew off church for 2, 5, 10, 20 years of your life. And, uh, you know, maybe now you got a family, maybe now you got kids, and you're like, you know, I need to do this. I need to get reconnected to the spiritual life that really you probably never have had, but you're like, man, I need to start somewhere. And so you're here trying to get something started or trying to reconnect. Maybe you're here because you actually like, you know, what we do. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, you might like the community, or you might like the messages or the music. You might like everything. You just... You know, you just like it. You feel comfortable and you're coming. And maybe you're here because God has done a work in your life and you're saying, you know, I, man, I, I want to be here because this is, this is the hub of my, my wheel. This is, this is what drives me. And you're growing in Christ. So you, know, you could be any of those four types. But let me say this. I believe the bottom line in why you're here is because God has led you here and God wants you here, and God is doing a work in you before you've even realized that God has started a work. But the bottom line is you are here, not on your own accord, but you're here because God led you here in some way, in some shape, in some fashion. You may not even realize that, but you're here, I believe, all of you are here because God has led you here. This morning, or this time, or this church, you're here because God led you here. I hope to show you that in the message. I want to tell you a little story. Something happened to me a couple weeks ago. And it really kind of, uh, it, it just jarred me. I got to thinking about it. I, I talked to Linda about it. I, um, I bumped into a person who knew me very, very well in a season of my life. And then I hadn't seen this person in probably like 10 or 11 years. Hadn't talked or communicated. And just randomly bumped into them, Okay. And so we get to talking and, you know, we exchange, you know, greetings and pleasantries, how you doing and everything. And then this person said something and, and 
it just, I mean, again, it really has, has jarred me and kind of haunted me. I shared it with staff. And they said, so how did this happen? How did this happen? And again, I've got friends from, let's say, 10, 20 years past who, who knew me, but we've stayed in touch as I went into the ministry and as I started Bellwether, and they kind of know a sense about what all is happening. But this person, totally disconnected, and again, knew me very well at a time, and then asked, how did this happen? And it's not about Bellwether, okay? They had heard great things about our church family and being here at Jackson Academy and, you know, how God's grown it. They were asking more about, how did this happen in you? Because, see, to be totally honest, when this person knew me, I was living a very different life, okay? Um, now, if you looked at me on the outside, you could see, hey, he's got a decent job, he did well in school, he's, you know, got a, a decent, if not bright, future ahead of him. But at the same time, I was drinking a lot. I mean, like, binge drinking, okay? Um, would not walk away from a fight in a bar, okay? And that's not trying to be, like, cool or, you know, bad. I mean, it's just, that was the reality. And, um, and had unhealthy relationships with people of the opposite sex, okay? And that was how I was rolling. And now I had a, a or I, I would say I had a spiritual life. I didn't have a spiritual life, I mean, honestly. I mean, that was more front and center. And so then all of a sudden, you know, imagine if you know someone like that, and then you just, you know, don't talk, connect, or anything with them, for a period of 10 so years, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're a preacher, and like, you know, you know, good things are happening that are, that are godly and, and positive, and I mean, I, I feel that, and I hope you feel that, and so the question was, how, how did this happen? And so I was, uh, I went ahead, and I, I talked about, well, there were, you know, steps in my life, and kind of recounted about people who came into my life that influenced me, and mentors, and talked about my wife and seeing her conversion and how much an impact she had and has on my life and just talked about, you know, you know, God w was working. But if I had to bottom line it, and I didn't say this, but I want to say it to y'all, if I had to bottom line it, it is I met the grace of God and I surrendered to it and I gave my life over to it and it changed me and is changing me. And that last part of that is very, very key is changing me. Because I, I could not stand before you and say, this is some finished product here, because it's not. Uh, I still would say I'm deeply flawed, as all of us are. But I realized that the grace of God was seeking after me, and at a point I met that grace and surrendered to it and have allowed it to change my life. And it's all because of His grace that I'm here. It's all of his, because of His grace that this has happened. It is all because of the grace of our Heavenly Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace. We just finished last month a series on faith. And faith is vitally important in our life. But grace is more important. Grace actually has to come before faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you are saved through faith. That didn't say by faith you are saved. It says through faith, but it says by grace you are saved. And it is. It is by grace we are saved. The grace of God's love 
His unmerited love. It's nothing that we've done, nothing that we'll ever do that can attain that. It's His love bestowed and showered on us. Just like Chris was talking, there was some song, yeah, Amazing Grace. You ever know the story of Amazing Grace? The guy who wrote that traded slaves, beat slaves, killed slaves on ships across the Atlantic. And he found the grace of God. He met the grace of God. He surrendered. And man, it is, gives me cold chills today just thinking about it. When you meet that grace, hallelujah, it is amazing. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about that amazing grace. And I hope that you will see that it is amazing. And I hope that you will see that it is something that is reaching out to you, that is seeking you, that it is something that saves you, and it is also something that raises you up to new life. So today I want to start, and the title of this message is The Grace That Seeks. And going back to the question, why are you here? See, I believe that you're here because God led you here before you even thought or processed the steps that it would take to get to church. I believe before you've ever even sought God, that God has been seeking after you wherever you are in life. I believe even before you have had the ability or made the choice to love God, he is reaching out and he's loving you right now at this moment. And his grace is, is calling to you, is seeking you. I hope to show you that. It starts really early, as in before we were born. Turn to Jeremiah if you've got your Bibles. I'm going to be using a couple of scripture verses in this message. And the first one is Jeremiah 1.5. I used it uh, last week in a, in a different sermon, but I wanted to use it again. I love this verse. It says, Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. I want to focus on the first part of that verse. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. All right, just process that. That's not before, before you were born, I knew you. It's not before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. The grace of God was loving you. Even them that we can't even imagine a time of our existence. But God did because he created us. And he knew us before we were in the womb and knew us before we were born. And he was loving us then. This is why we baptize infants. I love that sacrament. It is a sacrament. When I say sacrament, it's a supernatural act. It's not a dedication. It's not a consecration. It's a baptism. As in something that we can't see is going on, something that we can't explain is happening in the life of this small child, that the Holy Spirit is coming into their life and saying, even before you can choose me, even before you even know what love is, I love you, and I'm going to call you and draw you to me. And let me be clear. We always say this is not their salvation moment. There still has to come a point that is most critical where they say, I accept the grace of God and have faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But the grace of God is so much more powerful than that, and it is seeking us even, even before we have a thought, even before we can make a choice and drawing us to him. And God willing, as a family of believers, as a church, and as individual families, will help our children raise them up so they can know and choose Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But before that happens, His grace is seeking them out. What I want you to get is that this is who God is. I mean, if you, if you want to know 
just like, if you want to try to define God, God is grace and God is seeking after us. Another passage in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, of all places. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, not, that's not a book I you know, stay up late and read. And I'm sure, well, some of you may. But Ezekiel 34, listen to this. Even in Ezekiel, what it says about God. Ezekiel 34, verse 11 and 12. Thus says the Lord God, okay? Thus says the Lord God. This is God speaking. Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. This is God saying, I will seek out my sheep. We're sheep. We're sheep. God's talking there. And he's saying, I'm going to seek them out. But here's what you've got to believe. God also says they were scattered. They were lost. And the truth, and again, I've said this before, and I will say it again and again. You will not get any further if you don't understand this point that I'm about to talk about. If we don't know the grace of God, we are scattered. We are lost. I know that's not like the most hip or the most, well, I mean, I love the show Lost. But I'm talking about as a, you know, to say you're lost or to say you're, you know, you're lost. I mean, it's not the most seeker-friendly thing to say, but that is the truth. That if we don't know his grace, God is saying they're scattered, they're lost. But hey, he's not a God who's going to leave us scattered. He's not a God who's going to leave us disorganized or rambling or like it talks about in this passage on a gloomy day and we can't see and we can't focus. We don't know what's going on in our life. He is saying, no, I'm going to go to them. I'm going to seek them out. The grace that seeks us. And so that's, that's who our God is. I mean, he is not the... God up in the sky that's looking down and, you know, with his fist and saying, no, no, no. He is a God who came to us. He is a God who is seeking us. So much so that we have our Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, then he is God. And our God came to us in the flesh. Our God came to touch, came to laugh, came to cry came to be with us, came to hang, came to love, to have his brothers, to have his family. He was a God that went through birth. He was in a womb. He was a God who went through death, who had pain. I mean, God sought us by becoming flesh. And when he did, when that God, our God, as Jesus, when he came, what did he come to do? Look at Luke. Luke 19, verse 10. Love this verse. For the Son of Man, as is Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek. That he's going out to seek and to save. To save that which is lost. Our theme verse at Bellwether, many of you know it, John 10, 16. There are others, Jesus says, I must go to them. They will hear my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. Go back to Ezekiel. We're sheep. What's Jesus saying? There are other people. I'm going to them. I didn't just come to earth to, you know, hang out or just speak or teach wise things or even just to heal. I'm going to them. I'm seeking them out. Jesus came as a Savior who sought us. He did so with his life. 
I mean, he lived amongst people. He touched lepers. He hung out with people who were looked down upon. Tax collectors, drunkards. Heck, I mean, his chosen 12, they were not... They weren't the chosen folks of society or the religious people. They were the sinners initially. And he reached out to them. So we see the grace of God in the life of Christ. But we don't just see it in his life. Because, you know, we live in a world, and let me say this, we live in a world that wants to postulate that the best thing about Christianity, hey, okay, I can get the life and teachings of Jesus, but that's not just it. And that's certainly not the most important thing. The grace of his death and the grace of his resurrection. He came to us and he died. And then he rose up again. We're going to take communion in a minute. And as we took communion this morning at 9.40, 9.45, I said, do you ever listen to the last two words that people say as you come down and take communion? The body of Christ broken, last two words, for you. As in something has been done for you. You listen to the last two words when you dip the bread in the cup. The blood of Christ shed for you. The grace of God. Something is being done for you. That is the gospel. It's not simply the life and the teachings of Jesus. How wonderful that is as an example. But the gospel is that he died for us. The gospel is that he rose again for us. The gospel is that God so loved this world that he didn't just stand up in the lofty heavens, but that he got down and dirty with us as his son, Jesus Christ, and whosoever then believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Christian, to be a Christian, rests on Christ. If you take Christ out of Christian, you have Ian. Ian, I love you, but Ian can't help you. You know what I'm saying? You've got to have, I love you, brother, you've got to have that Christ and what he did. Hope you can see that. Hope you can know that. Because so many people don't. So many people don't see the grace of our Lord and Savior. So many people don't know the grace of our Lord and Savior. So many people see Christian or Christianity or church as rule-based. As, you know, what have you done for me lately? As, you know, people who aren't going to accept me if I walk into their lofty churches as judgmental, as shame-based, as not good enough. I talked about that group that we meet on Sunday nights, and uh, there are people who frequent it that don't come to church on Sunday morning. There's, there's one guy, and he would profess to be, you know, at best agnostic, but he's coming to this group. And I told him, I said, man, next time I'm going to get you to come to Sunday morning. And he said, nah, dude, you know, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I was like, man, come on, man, we'd love to have you. And he's like, dude, look at me. He said that. He said, look at me. He said, look at what I'm wearing, dude. He said, you know, I woke up in this. I was out all night. If I'm out all Saturday night, I'm going to be wearing the same thing. Brother's got some earrings about this big. He said, man, they, they ain't going to. They're going to take me if I come down. I said, well, brother, you can sit by me on the front row. But I would like to ask you that. Like, what if somebody like that showed up, busted up in here? How, how do we look at them? What if, they, what if they did smell of, you know, 
hardcore party on Saturday night. The way some folks look at the church is that they're not good enough. And that's hindering them knowing and meeting and serving to the grace of God. Can we be a grace-filled place that they can see, I mean, who God really is? Can we be instruments of his grace? Can we, can we seek those that God loves? And then there are others who don't know the grace of God because they just simply reject it. And some of us may know folks like this. I mean, they have so much anger and so much bitterness in their life that if they look at the grace of God, and if you really look at the grace of God, he's a God who calls us to, to love and to forgive and to heal. And they say, man, I don't want to go down that road. So I'd rather not have that God. I'd rather not have that grace. If it's calling me to do something like that, I'll keep the anger. I'll keep the bitterness. I'll keep the pain. As crazy as that sounds, there are people like that in our world. Some of us know them. Grace. It's a, it's a tough thing to crack. But the most important thing to know is that it is seeking after us. That's who God is. It's who he is as God our Father, our Heavenly Father, it's who he is in Jesus Christ. And I believe regardless of where you are, regardless of where you are here, and I don't know where you are in your faith life, I know where some of you are, but I don't know where all of you are, that grace is seeking after you. No matter what someone thinks of Christianity or the church, I believe the grace of God is still going to seek after them. No matter if someone is rejecting that grace or that type of God, a grace-filled God, and say, no, I want to hold on to anger. I believe God is still going to seek them and use His grace to seek them to the very, very end. Because that's who God is. He's full of grace. I remember when I was, uh, was struggling in my life, and again, I, I would not have called myself lost back then, but looking back, I was very much lost. And I had an opportunity to uh, travel to Australia, and uh, I've never seen anything like this before or since. I'd never, I'd never been to the west coast of our country. And so, you know, the west coast, the sun sets, and the sun sets into the ocean. And I got this, this wonderful opportunity to go to the west coast of Australia. And so the sun sets into the ocean. And I go out there about sunset, and the sun is, is going into the, you know, looks like it's going into the water. And the whole ocean around me, I kind of weighed out. It's, it's red. It's like glowing red. You're in this ocean of, of like red, and it's just, I mean, it just took my breath away. And I thought of it at that moment as, man, God is so great. And again, I was in a place that was lost, so I was like, man, there is, there is this majestic God, and just to have this moment, I, I mean, I know I can feel, it's kind of hard to articulate, but I can feel his love for me. And I know some of you have had those moments. You don't have to be in a beach or an ocean or in Australia, but when you see and when nature speaks to you, and you know how majestic God is, and you can feel a sense of his spirit. I believe that's God's grace. Or when someone, a teacher or a mentor, when someone believes in you, when nobody else does, I believe that's the grace of God. I've had people like that in my life. Again, in times when, looking back, I was lost. There were people that believed in me. And I know it, it was them, but more so it was the grace of God working through them. And then there are just random acts of kindness, random acts of grace. 
I've had that happen to me. I know some of you have had it happen to you. Now you just see and feel the grace of God. So what I'm trying to say in those three things, whether it's a, a beautiful scene in nature, whether it's a teacher, a mentor, whether it's just a random act of kindness, is God is seeking you. The grace of God is seeking after you and trying to draw you to him so that you would, at a point, meet his grace and surrender to it and let it change your life. And he uses normal, ordinary, everyday people like us to be instruments of grace, whether it's an act of kindness, whether it's as a, a friend or teacher or mentor, whether it's you're at a beautiful place and you just say, man, look how great God is. God can use you. Will you allow him to? Allow him to use you to be an instrument of his grace. I want to close with this. Talk about you. Again, I don't know where you are. I know each and every one of you have different experiences in your life. I know God has taken you through different things, some very difficult, some positive. But I would say this, that God's grace is drawing you, is seeking you, and is working in you right now. I'll show you this in Scripture. Philippians, Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13. Paul writes, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Again, I don't know where all of you are in your faith life, I hope and pray that all of you experience salvation and know Christ is your Lord and Savior. But to have that, whether to accept or to have the faith, there's something scary about it. I mean, you kind of have to step out in faith, as we've talked about. And Paul says, hey, with fear and with trembling, work out your salvation, because you can have faith in this, that God is working in you to will and to work for good pleasure. So no matter where you are, God is at work in you. God is seeking you. He's giving you his love. He's giving you his grace. Will you accept it? Will you meet that love? And you can know, man, that he is, he is doing this for his work, for his glory, for his pleasure. And it's good stuff. It's not negative. I know some of you may be afraid to take that step. Some of you may be afraid to make that commitment. Some of you may be afraid to change your life. Some of you want to say, hey, I'd rather hang around and live my life in this way. And maybe, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's some type of sin. Hey, God's grace can work in you, can change you, and it's seeking you now. Will you meet it? I want you to think of somebody, to think of somebody that you love, like you love with all your heart. Some of you married folks, I hope it's your spouse. Hope it's your spouse. Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. But just think in your mind somebody that you love. What is the grace of God? 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. That person that you love so much. You don't even have the ability, the capacity to love without the love of God. Before you could even know what love is, before you were able to love, God has loved us. 
The only way we can experience love is because of his love. The only way we can love someone else, the only way we can be an instrument of grace is because of our Heavenly Father's love embodied in the form and the person of Jesus Christ. And who said, for God so loved the world, he sent his Son that those who believe in him shall never perish but have everlasting life. The only way we can love is because he loves us. Now, will you meet his love? And will you allow his love to start changing you today? If you have that opportunity as we take communion as a family, as the body of Christ. And, you know, I hope every communion is so powerful for you. Hope every communion is different for you. Hope every communion changes your life. But this one particularly, after this message, I just hope you listen to the last two words people will say as you come forward and take communion. What are those two words? For you. Body of Christ, broken. Why? For you. Blood of Christ shed. Why? For you. So that you would have life. I just, I hope and pray that you'll let those two words change your life. Because that's, that's the truth. It's for you. It's for us all.